Hello and welcome to this week's Politically Speaking podcast. I'm your host, as always, Chris McDaniel, a political reporter with St. Louis Public Radio. Joining me today... Jason Rosenbaum of the St. Louis Beacon. And she's back. <laughs> yes, from Paris. Uh, Joe Manis with the St. Louis Beacon. Joe, All so hard. <laughs> <laughs> Joe, did you have a nice trip? Yes. No, it was it was really, uh, really nice. It was lovely and... Uh, Somewhat relaxing, but also hectic because you want to see everything because it's not like I'm going to be going to Paris uh, regularly. This may be the only, the, my last time. Who knows? I've only been there twice. But, yeah, no, it was um, pretty cool. Pretty cool. Got to the Normandy battlefields as well as the Eiffel Tower. Got to the top of the Eiffel Tower. We got to the Normandy battlefields. Saw lots of uh, cool stuff. And you came back to plenty of work, I'm sure. Yes, yes. <laughs> Well, plenty of stuff happened in Jefferson City this week, even a budget. Well, yeah, the, uh, the 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 only thing that the legislature is required to do is pass a budget. And mm. in the past couple of years, it's been a somewhat contentious process because there hasn't been a lot of money available. And it down to, to the wire process. And they've had to cut things. This year, you know, it has to pass in the House, it has to pass in the Senate, and then it goes to conference. A couple of days ago, it passed out of the Senate. So now it's going to the part where the House and the Senate leaders of the budget process hash out everything. And from my sense, and I, I could be reading this wrong because I'm not there every day, but it doesn't seem like the scrapping and scraping and cutting that happened in previous years is happening this year. But that doesn't mean that it's without notoriety or intrigue, especially when it comes to the Department of Revenue. So. Yeah, well, basically because the economic situation is better, before I left, I had written uh, a story with uh, the state budget director uh, talking about uh, the improved fortunes for the state and that it looked like that the governor was actually being able to reinstate uh, the money that he had withheld from this current budget, and the next year's budget looked a little better. So the result of that, I think, is a key reason why, A, the Senate acted much earlier than has been in recent years. Uh, often they have to have this done by May 10th, and often your light's like the last week, last week and a half, it's nuts on the budget. And here it is, what, several weeks out, and the Senate's already passed its version. Now, as a result, though, it means that they're... If they don't have to focus on money, they focus on politics. And so because they're focusing on politics, it means that, A, the whole issue of the the scanning of documents for concealed carry permits, which you guys have talked about ad infinitum, uh, continues to be an issue. And also uh, some of the related stuff related to that, a lot of stuff about guns aside from that. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the House uh, proved this week— some proposals that actually uh, make concealed carry wep- uh, permits easier to get and easier to keep, uh, and that's caused a little bit of controversy. Uh, but on the Senate side, what the what they did was in their bill they did knock out uh, some stuff for the Department of Revenue, aiming at making a point. It wasn't supposed to stay out because it meant there wouldn't be any licenses issued. But the bottom line is, according to um, uh, the the Nixon administrations. it turns out that the items, the line items that were singled out didn't deal with auto licenses. They really deal, dealt with boats and manufactured That's according to the AP permits, article. According to the right. Associated but, Press. But I, I was telling Joe this earlier because there's been a lot of 
you know, people on on Twitter kind of deriding this move as, oh, the state's not going to issue driver's license or look at these wacky Republicans. They're so in on this DOR situation. And without saying, you know, the DOR situation is worthy of attention or not worthy of attention, it's clear that this move was aimed at putting leverage on the Department of Revenue to either answer questions or to revert back to the previous way where they issued driver's license. You can't put any leverage on somebody to, to change something if you if you don't pull at their purse strings, so to speak. Now, it appears from this Associated Press article that they applied, they, they may have applied leverage in the wrong way, but, you know, from a purely uh, strategic standpoint, I see what they're trying to do here. Whether it's the right or wrong thing, that's for the jabbering classes to decide, so to speak. Yeah, but my major point is that, A, the reason they're doing all this is because the money situation isn't so bad, so they don't have to focus on money. They can focus on politics. And, B, uh, regardless of which side you're on, on the um, concealed carry permit issue, um, the clear aim is to um, jab at the governor. The governor's a Democrat. The legislature is run by Republicans. I will say two words. E. coli. Remember, a couple years ago, there was the whole fight over um, uh, the parks and the E. coli levels at beaches and whether or not that was put out earlier. And if you can remember, that went on for months. And in some ways, the fight over the concealed carry and um, the permits in the Department of Revenue are sort of this year's version of the E. coli fight. That's, That's all I'm saying. Our next two stories are kind of a blast <laughs> from the past here. It, we're going back we're going back a couple months in one and then like six months in the other. <laughs> but the first story is, what was it, last week uh, we all received an email. I assume all of us received an email from Glenn Burley who uh, – I didn't. Glenn, uh, if you listen to this <laughs> – Actually, you need it, was, to, you need, it was yesterday. Yeah, you Was need, it yesterday? Yes, yeah. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Felt like last Glenn, week. if you listen to this, please put me on Lewis Reed's <laughs> mailing list, jrosenbaum at stlbeacon.org. That's this hey. week, and it was the first one. I mean, Add him on to your Groupon lists, anything else you've got. <laughs> Jay Rosenbaum at stlbeacon.org. That was a big mistake. That was you know. a big mistake. That's not getting edited out either. <laughs> no. <laughs> but Joe, I, I'm glad you wrote about this because I, I was I was curious because you know Glenn was his campaign manager and now he's uh, sending out emails after he lost the campaign. So you wrote a story about it. Talk a little bit about yeah, that. Yeah, uh, Glenn Burley. Uh, okay, a press release went out within the last uh, day or so uh, from Reed's office, and this was in response to. The mayor slays uh, proposal to basically cut two-thirds of the city budget for the communications uh, division, which includes the city cable TV station that runs the uh, Board of Alder meetings. And other STL-TV, stuff. I yeah, think. Yeah, STL-TV. It also runs some foreign language shows and that sort of thing. Okay, so Reed opposes this. Now, what was interesting is that the the release that went out was a campaign release. It was a Reed campaign release as opposed to a a Reed official release. And Glenn Burley was the spokesman for Reed during the campaign and had kind of been out of pocket for the last six weeks, and now all of a sudden he's back. So I talked to him, and Burley explained that he has come back and that Reed has decided to take a page out of the mayor's playbook, that the mayor for years, slay for years, and some say this has actually been a key to his success. His critics get upset about it, but it has helped him as far as messaging 
Slay has run his communications on two tracks, and he has continued whether there's been a campaign or not. He has his official uh, campaign spokesman, which right now he is the chief of staff, Jeff Rainford, who's been around for ages, and then also the current press secretary, Maggie Crane. But he also has a campaign operation that has long for uh, ages been run by Richard Callow, a Democratic consultant who also has been around. Actually, I've known Callow for several decades, and he goes back to the Shamo administration. <laughs> he was brought in as a political operative then. Yes, and as we mentioned yesterday, he took a terrible picture of me <laughs> at the inauguration. <laughs> so continue. Well, so when you're doing something on something the mayor says, you often have to see if it's political, you call Callow. If it's not political, you call his official office. Sometimes the two mesh in that, in the case of the communications division, for example, uh, the Rainford Crane are handling, handling the official response, and then Callow is dealing with the political angle of that. Well, what Burley is contending is that Reed discovered during the campaign, shock, shock, for, for the mayor's fourth term, that this enables the mayor to have, because he's had this ongoing operations, which have been paid for out of campaign funds, not, sure. I mean, Callow's paid out of campaign funds, not out of city money, um, that it allows him to have a rather seamless transition between the two. And the fact that uh, Callow knows what the mayor thinks, uh, Rainford knows what the mayor thinks. And and so the result is that the mayor, by Reed's own acknowledgement, has had a better record of getting his message out and driving the media message. Mm -hmm. So Reed's decided to do the same thing. So he's brought Burley back. Um, the idea is to raise enough campaign money to fund Burley's salary. Um, Which right now, right the, now it's kind of a problem. <laughs> yeah, because Reed has a debt of over $40,000 from the campaign. And Burley said that his work this week was, quote, gratis, unquote, which Callow immediately jumped on when I called him to get his response just about the general thing. Callow said, well, if, if Burley's working gratis, that violates the campaign laws because uh, it's – it would be a free service, and that the least he has to do is file it as an in-kind contribution to read. Which he can do. I mean, <laughs> yes, yes. Which which if he, he can started do. yesterday. He doesn't have to report that until the next filing period. So I don't really see that as a huge problem. No, no. And in fact, I mean, Callow alluded to that, but the. The upshot is is that a uh, Reed acknowledged saying that you know basically that uh, uh, the best force of flattery is to model something after something else, <laughs> and Reed is planning to run for reelect in two years. But I think this also shows that Reed is wants to continue um, having a he he wants to build a stronger operation so that he can continue to drive home his differences and set his own narrative. And I think that there's another thing here, and I think that the other thing that Mayor Slay has been very successful in is when he endorses somebody and works for, for on their behalf, either it be on an, an aldermanic level or a state legislative level or a state senator level. I mean, his political organization has helped out a great deal in many respects. And I think that even if, if, if Reed, 
um, wins re-election in 2015. We don't know who his opponent is right, going right. to be, but we assume that he's going to be opposed at and this And we point. assume it might be somebody with who's friends with the mayor. Yeah, or multiple friends. Um, you know, it makes sense for him to have this ongoing political organization so that he can kind of exert political power to help people get elected to the board that will be friendly to him, you know, get elected to the state legislature that may have some poll in, in many areas. I, I think that has been kind of another um, benchmark for, for Slay's political operation that's been helpful toward him because it's not just him. I mean, we've talked about this before. The mayor's office, while while has some power, is only as powerful as who else is supporting him. Like, Correct. If he doesn't have support on the board of aldermen, he doesn't have support elsewhere, he can't get a whole lot done. And if he doesn't have a lot of support in the state legislature for them to do bigger things, then some of these bigger initiatives don't really pan out very well. So that could be a residual effect of this as well. Well, and I think it also helps, for example, getting back to the original uh, little fight with this is I, I, I don't mean little, but the fight that this is about, the local fight, which is over the city cable TV thing. The mayor actually lost in round yeah. one. Because uh, he has to get the approval of the Board of Estimate and Apportionment. Well, there's two routes he can do. One of them is to go through the Board of Estimate and Apportionment, which is the city's chief fiscal body, which is made up of the Mayor Reed and Comptroller Darlene Green. The other way is to get the Board of Aldermen to uh, uh, enough of his supporters to trim it out. I mean, to support trimming it out of the budget be, be, before the board. And again, Reed's in charge of the board. So that means countering the president of the Board of Aldermen, but the mayor actually lost round one. But you wouldn't necessarily know that because of the fact that he immediately has operations kicked into gear with these two dual messages, uh, his official side saying this is about police because he wants to cut to have money to cover uh, at least more, more than a dozen police officers who are endangered because a federal grant ended that the city has used to cover their salaries. And then you've got his his political arm, which immediately kicked into gear and jabbed at Reed for some of the uh, what Burley was saying in the initial press release and 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 contending that um, that that Reed's initial rollout of this approach might end up being used by his opponents in a year and a half. Although a year and a half from now is a long yeah. time, it, but still it helped. But, but it's a messaging. Didn't thing. Slay's? Wasn't it kind of rumored that Slay supported Reed in 2007 because he wasn't getting along very well with Jim Shrewsbury in the estimate and apportionment? Yes, that 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 was the perception. Well, now he's kind of back to the same situation where Lewis Reed is just going to vote against him at every time. So it seems like he's back at square one from 2007, isn't he? Yes, and again, you know, this isn't the, Slay isn't the first mayor to find himself into the in this situation. Think back, Vince Shamel and two words, Vervis Jones, yeah. <laughs> who he you know helped or- orchestrate so that he was filled a vacancy as comptroller, and then Vervis Jones ended up being his uh, biggest nightmare uh, as on the estimate apportionment board for years. So I think that that might be a reason why uh, Lewis Reed has competition in 2015. But you know, possibly, I, I don't, I don't know whether you know you can't count him out even with this debt. That he has. I think that I said last week, $40,000, while it's not great, I think if you could probably raise money to fill that void within a year or two. And I, I think that since he's won 
a citywide office over an incumbent before you can't count them out no matter who runs against them so we'll we'll have to see yeah and with the lack of campaign donation limits i mean you know you yeah. you know you, you you might be able to quickly do that if you have some major donors yeah let's let's go back even further in our National. time machine though <laughs> we're we're going back several months we're talking about Aiken and McCaskill because apparently <laughs> uh former congressman Todd Aiken is making a comeback the, according to a teaser uh, on KSDK's The greatest the comeback contest. ever. Okay. I'm sorry. Not just making a comeback. The greatest comeback <laughs> ever. And I have a, you know. Oh, I, I don't know. Two <laughs> words. Mark Sanford. Let's. <laughs> I, I don't mean to jab at TV. They have a lot of friends at KSDK, but I've said this on Twitter. Unless Todd Aiken is going to primary Ann Wagner or he's going to run statewide or he's going to run for Senate again, nothing that he does is going to constitute that 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 teaser but she did say may so there was qualified <laughs> yeah but yeah. i think they're tweeting out like with the hashtag of like Aiken he can come back also i would also <laughs> contend that if brock olivo moved back to the state <laughs> ran for congress again and won that race that would uh, that would be a comeback that eclipsed anything Aiken does Yes. I, 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 I challenge anybody to dispute me on that. Now, to be fair, I mean, to KCK, the fact is that um, former Congressman Todd Aiken has declined repeated requests from a number of yes. news outlets. Yes, he has. Including ours, including me, yeah. uh, including, I'm yep. sure, uh, KWMU, yep. uh, for interviews since his loss in November. Uh, so from that standpoint, we don't want to discredit. I mean, they did get a get. I they mean, got him. They got him. So we'll all be watching or listening to see what uh, Aiken has to say. In the meantime, though, he has continued to be a household word uh, on a number of national contests elsewhere, including the South Carolina congressional contest between former South Carolina Governor Mark Sanford and Elizabeth Colbert Bush, who happens to be the sister, she's a Democrat and a businesswoman in South Carolina, happens to be the sister of um, comedian Stephen Colbert. Notice the difference in pronunciation. <laughs> and uh, But our own Claire McCaskill has weighed into that contest with a, uh email blitz this week. She's trying to help Bush raise money. Uh, Col- Colbert Bush raised money, and uh, she was using Aiken as uh, example number one in her press release. As, as she has in several fundraising emails. I've yeah, noticed that, yeah, too. Yeah, yeah, citing Aiken's misstep over rape and then kind of connecting it to former South Carolina Mark Sanford's infamous uh, Appalachian hike, Trail. <laughs> hike on the Appalachian Trail when he I was have... actually in Argentina with his, with his now fiancé. yeah. I, I have noticed, though, that, you know, since the election ended in a lot of these email dispatches, uh, McCaskill has mentioned Aiken kind of in a in a negative context to kind of drum up support for people. I, I don't think she did this as much after the 2006 election, even though I would argue that that election probably was more contentious in many respects because they probably because Jim Talent had more money to throw at her and some of the ads were, were more abundant would you say so uh, i think though it was a whole different contest i covered that that the atmosphere was different while um talent and mccaskill did run a lot of ads i would argue that a it was less uh personal yeah i was gonna add that I it mean, didn't seem as ta- personal talent didn't 
the Republicans did attack, for for example, her husband's business dealings, but it wasn't as big a deal as it was this time. Um, she and Talent actually fought a lot over stem cells because Amendment Two, which was to uh, protect right. uh, embryonic stem cell it, research that that is legally allowed, uh, he had taken. He was opposed to it. She was supporting it. That actually became a major. Oh yeah, uh, and and now that you mentioned contest, that, I, I mean I, major part of it. It seemed that like contest. after the, after she had won, I mean he conceded pretty quickly, and I think that there was not a whole lot of animosity between the two. And, well, and there was the whole backdrop of the Iraq War at the time, and and I think that generally. When she won that race, it wasn't because of anything talent did or no. any any misdeeds on his part. It was mainly the environment. And hence the reason Correct. he's been able to continue on as kind of this policy wonk over the last six years as a fairly well-respected voice on a lot of issues. Yeah, correct. Whereas, I just covered him a few weeks ago. Whereas Todd Aiken, I mean, we're kind of tuning in to see what he has to say as kind of a novelty or, right. you know, a sensationalistic like a reality thing. thing. And I just don't see much future for him in many respects. I don't, I, I don't, I don't know. But, but I will say, I mean, he will, he'll have a large hill to climb to achieve the type of respectable, uh, respectability, apolitical, but very much uh, in the news that, that talent has achieved uh, be, becoming a defense expert, he was a key consultant on defense issues to Romney for both of his runs for president. Mm. I mean, the, it's a whole different. I mean, it's I, it's. A, I'm not saying that Aiken can't do it. I am not yeah, saying that at I, all. I'm just saying that that he will face challenges to um, uh, match talent success. And I think some part. people have joked <laughs> that maybe he could run for the Monarch Protection Fire Board. Some Twitter jokes. I, I will just point out that. <laughs> Whether you like her or not, I know that Jane Cunningham has a lot of detractors, but first of all, she, she won. She won. And second of all, if she would have, if her district had not disappeared and she would have won, run for reelection, I think their chances of winning that were very high. Would you, would you say so? Possibly. And I will bring up what I brought before I went on the air. If things had been differently, go back uh, almost two years. If Ann Wagner had run for the U.S. Senate as she initially had wanted to do, mm. and she had sought state GOP support but ended up shifting, uh, ended up running for Congress instead. If she had run for the U.S. Senate, that would have meant that Jane Cunningham, who had was very public in her hopes of running for Congress mm. in that second district seat, uh, assuming Aiken didn't run for reelect, if that had happened, you would have a whole different landscape Arguably, you'd probably have Senator Ann Wagner and Congresswoman Jane Cunningham, and uh, we wouldn't be talking about Todd Aiken, instead and we wouldn't it, be talking about Claire McCaskill instead it's a, It said it's Todd Aiken <laughs> being interviewed on KSDK, Ann Wagner in Congress, and Jane Cunningham on the Monarch Protection Fire Board. And Claire McCaskill stumping still in, in the Senate, South Carolina. And it's still a member of the Democratic majority in the Senate and still has a lot of power to do stuff. Oh, yeah, and Claire McCaskill has continued to be a rising star within the party. Well, tune in on uh, Thursday night, I believe, for the, for the KSDK show. <laughs> Uh, well, Hashtag Aiken comeback. Hashtag, I was checking out the Aiken comeback while you guys were talking. Most of them were were sarcastic. We're, we're making jokes. fun of them. We're snarky. Okay, we're not going to do. Beli- hard I'm to not believe. Not going to do that. Aiken was a very respected member of Congress for twelve years. It's hard to believe that people on the internet and Twitter would be. Sarcastic. And you know, we gave him a lot of grief, <laughs> but he's not a bad person. I I found that dealing with him, he's he never got 
the impression that he was this evil, horrible human being. He just, you know, I, I, he obviously, I wouldn't say that. He, he had a misstep, but also there was a climate. There was there was a lot of things going on. I'm not going to make excuses, but the point is, is that what we've said before, the, he's the result of one universe, and then there was this alternative universe that didn't happen. <laughs> Yeah, let's just let's just leave it at that and enjoy the interview tomorrow. Okay. Well, speaking of Twitter, you can follow me on Twitter at, at @csmcdaniel. You can follow Jason on Twitter at J Rosenbaum, and and Joe Manis at J Manis. It's J M A N N I E S. You can read all of my stories at stlpublicradio.org. You can read all of Joe and Jason's stories at stlbeacon.org. Uh, don't forget to sign Jason up for all of your emails <laughs> if you're tuning in. Uh, we'll be back next week. Until then, so long. So long. Hashtag so long. <laughs>